science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you see. Yeah! Ah! Lights! So this is how liberty dies. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. I'm Chrissy Raffensperger. And I'm Dave Sellers. And there are cats on the screen. So many cats, I'm so happy. (laughs) Cosmic kitties. Yes, yes. Um... Yeah, have you guys seen the video, I Love Cats, the uh, dating profile video, eHarmony video on YouTube? No. no. You know what? I it, have. I it's totally old. have. It's old. And this is what it reminds me of. All these cats. But, you know, God. if you haven't watched it, it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's early YouTube. Early YouTube, but it's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah how are you, how you folks doing? Yeah, yes. I mean, there, there are cats flying. I'm, I'm doing great. You're fantastic, um, right? Yeah. Yesterday morning, I was at work, um, and there's the women's shelter and there's men's shelter. And I was walking over to the men's shelter. I forget what, what, who I needed to talk to real fast. But um, in the morning, I'll stop to talk with guys as they're heading out for smoke. And then, like, I was literally mid sentence, and then like a stray cat like jumped up on one of them, and I was like, oh, cat, <laughs> like, instantly, like, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're. I'm talking to you and there's a cat involved. I'm just going to like beeline right there. So I have a question. Have you ever played the cat video game? I, I have not. I've played Skyrim and there was Khajiit. No, no. There's so, a cat and I forget the name of it. But So many video games. No, hang, hang cats. on. I mean, you guys narrow it down. Kiefer. No, he's not. He's not in the next room. I will find out and let you know. Because it's literally a okay. playable and it's like, yeah. You play as a cat. It's a futuristic world. Okay, that's that's somewhat narrowing it down, but we'll get to it. Yes, we'll get to it. I, I will remember. Um, anyways, how how you folks doing? Um, and uh, I guess, uh, what are we talking about tonight, Miles? So, um, a lot of news in um, with uh, the actors and writers that make our science fiction Um they're on strike, so we'll just have a little conversation about that. Uh, we reviewed, we're, we're, we've watched the movie Inner Space. I think it was kind of inspired by um, Dave and I seeing uh, Robert Picardo over at uh, Shore Leave. Uh, I guess about a month ago now. Yeah, but, uh, let me know where I want. I'm going to let you know where I want to put this movie. Oh, I can, okay. I can't wait to hear what you, uh, what you think about Does it. Involve Robert Picardo's ass. <laughs> uh, well, I mean. Anyways, well, go that's on. what he whispered to her. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll get into something that he's very proud of um, when we talk about it. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what's going on in our sci-fi world, and uh, that, that'll be our show. Sounds cool. fantastic. Um, by the way, the name of the video game is called Stray. came out in 2022. Okay, I have heard of it then. Yep. Yeah, the, my Kiefer played it and loved it. 
Well, with that ringing endorsement, how can I go wrong? I know. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, let's find out a little bit about what's going on in uh, your folks' world. And Dave, can we start with you? What's going on in Absolutely. your sci-fi world? Absolutely. Um, loving strange new worlds. Um, this last episode was just fantastic. Um, the, again, I, I don't know how we get a show in in the Star Trek franchise this good, and another one that is just dog dirt. I I, I don't in comparison. I, I don't know how that happens, but hey, I, I'm loving every second of it. Can't wait for more. Um. We watched my wife and I watched the the Flash movie. Okay, I didn't hate it, mm-hmm. but I'm also not tied to comic books and things like a lot of folks are. It was entertaining, and the only reason I really wanted to watch it was because Michael Keaton was Batman again, and that is my Batman now and forever. So I was mm-hmm. thrilled to see him back in the. What did back you in the think cave. of the, um, the like the little cameo scene they they, they had that that little. Time, that, that little time trippy uh, th- when he's and he starts seeing well you see Nicolas Cage That's oh Superman. yeah Nicolas Cage is Superman that was hilarious I love yeah. that mm-hmm. and then they, they bring back freaking what's his name ah uh, Christopher Reeve no nah, well Christopher Reeve was pretty cool that was they bring back everybody they bring back everybody much. there yeah but, um and then the, the the Bruce Wayne at the end ah uh, what the heck? Oh, oh uh, George Clooney. Yes, George Clooney. Mm-hmm. The Batman I truly hated. They bring him back at the end. I'm like, okay, they really did get everybody here. And, and you even saw uh, uh, saw the original one. Why can I not remember names? Adam today? West? Adam West. You even saw him briefly in there in the little the time worlds colliding or whatever. But uh, Oh. Yeah. I, yeah, very I think briefly. You, you could probably find it on YouTube the whole... You don't have to watch the whole movie, but you can watch just the whole, the whole clip of them doing this vision of seeing everybody in like the DC universe, uh, almost. Uh, Even the yes. cartoon versions. Not the cartoons, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but all, all so the no, live like action. Mark Hamill cackle of the Joker somewhere in the background. Oh no 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 no! You didn't hear. You didn't get any of that. Oh, see, now that would that would have sold me on it. <laughs> it was, it, yeah. I mean, otherwise, it was a good movie. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I, I certainly okay, wouldn't so have needed to spend the money to go see it in a theater either. You're right. Well, right. we'll just put it right there at the standard deviation of the mean. Yeah. It's right there in the mean. Yeah. Not, not great. Not bad. Okay. Just right there. I, I've seen far worse DC movies. I mean, it, it was, it wasn't bad. Okay. That's um, high praise. <laughs> Yeah, okay. it really so, is. Worst so, DC movies. All right, yeah. so for for a DC movie, was it good? To me, for a DC movie, yeah, it was good. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. there we go. There we have it. There we have it. The bar has been it. set. The bar's been set. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, we watched the bar low enough. You're yeah. never disappointed. Yeah, that's right. Your expectations <laughs> low, folks. Um, <laughs> speaking of expectations low, we we watched uh, Secret Invasion. I'm sorry about that. Last couple episodes of that, you know, like Lo- you can tell they're running out of steam. You know, or something you know, them. Loki looks interesting. The trailer two drop for that. I'm all aboard Loki season two. 
Yeah, like, I didn't, I but didn't I'm see not, that trailer. But I'm not <sighs> seeking invasion. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I didn't care. And, and, it, and it was disappointing with Samuel L. Jackson and what they did to... Uh, God damn it, here we go again. Yeah, the what girl, the the girl at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was so... I don't know. I was just disappointed in that one. Um, we wa- you know, watched Inner Space. Actually, watched that today, so it's fresh in my head. Which I don't know if I kind of regret that or not. But this past weekend, my uh, my wife and daughter went down to the shore for a few days. So not only did I get a lot of work done at home over the weekend, but two of the knuckleheads I work with in our maintenance department, who are much younger than me. Uh, sucked me back into playing Call of Duty online uh-huh. with them, so now this has become something that I, I, I just I don't want to I don't want to do anything but play this now because um, I suck and they they just sucked me into it. They just pulled me right in. I was down there watching my clock here, trying to get up here in time because I was trying to squeeze a match in or two before the show started. <laughs> Uh, and I was disciplined enough to to get it, to, yeah. you know, get up here in time. But we have a we have an addiction counselor on call. Just so you know. <laughs> well, 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 hold on. I'm not, <laughs> I'm it's not an addiction; it's a habit. <laughs> Code of ethics say <laughs> that I cannot go, you know, outside of practice and expertise, and I have not had enough training for addiction. So there you go. There you go. I will have so, to refer so, him so, to a colleague. So you are <laughs> entitled to have all the addiction you want right now. That's what she's yes. saying. Yes, that's not what I said. I said I would refer him to a colleague. <laughs> Yes. Who's saying if Jen can't help him, then no one can. Jen can't help me, nobody can. That's right. That's right. I guess maybe I'll have to take you on and seek serious supervision for for that. That's right. But but it is funny. Before the show we were talking about, you know, looking trying to look back and like when did when does people when do people have the time for this kind of for doing stuff? Christy was talking about our scrapbooking and then how we did all this stuff when we were younger in school and been involved in activities. And here I am, the guy who hasn't seen past 10 o'clock in the last 10 years because I just fall asleep, was staying up to like 1 o'clock in the morning this past weekend playing Call of Duty. <laughs> Jeez. And you getting know. up at 4.30 the next morning to go finish working at the house. You know, it's, it's insane. Yeah, it was, dopamine can be a thing that yeah. like just triggers your brain off. Um, so it's, it's, it's deeply embedded. I think Athlete. about I think about the hours I sunk into World of Warcraft. Same reason. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm still playing World of Warcraft, and I am um, most of the way to getting my rating up to where I need to be to get my shiny mount. Well, it's not really a shiny mount because it's kind of on fire, but I want it to be on fire. So. There, you there you go. go. There you go. Anything else, Dave? <sighs> No, I really think that's about it. Call of Duty. Call of Duty now. Bring it on. Bring it on. You're going to need to do like checks on him and be like, are you okay? How long have you been playing? I'll have to text him randomly. And this, if he doesn't respond, I'm like, did you get him, Dave? Did you get him? That's the point now where I have to move the PlayStation downstairs to the TV down there so I can play it when everybody else is home because uh, they like to hog the TV. Hogging meaning share, right? Hogging meaning Dave doesn't get to use the TV he bought, the very nice 4K TV to play his games on. He has <laughs> to go downstairs to the old one, which may find an accident and have to be replaced here 
if this addiction gets well, no, if this habit and this enjoyment gets a little too uh, too uh, in depth. All right. All right. Bigger screen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a sledgehammer. We could, I could help you with that. Oh, I've got plenty of that kind of stuff here. I could actually make it look like an accident. I mean, <laughs> if that's true. what you really want. I have to make it look good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because there's a wife. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Miles, how about you? What's going on in your science fiction world? So I also saw the new Loki trailer. I'm cautiously optimistic that that will be good. Um, the last couple of episodes of Star Trek Stranger Worlds I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm not a big Lower Decks fan, but I did like that episode, that crossover. It was, oh, that was that amazing, was, wasn't that it? That was fantastic. So that, that was that was fun. Um, and the episode they did la- with the um, they the Klingon ambassador, right. uh, they explored. It was just a very deep episode. They oh, got into um, Ambega and uh, Chapel's character, but they just explored you know what war does to a person and how this Klingon ambassador used, you know, he basically defected to the Federation and he, uh, you know, he, he was, he, he fought in the war. He was a general that, but he almost uses forgiveness as a way to manipulate. And, and um, it, it, like I said, just very deep, they explored, you know, what, you know, what happens in war and, you, you see him back like no I can't I can't fight anymore I'm a doctor I'm here to save lives and then he sees what happens and he has to go fight again and uh, no that was just a great episode and um, not sure I'm looking forward to the musical episode but uh, oh, I it's am. like a car it's a car crash you, you have to you have to look at it you can't ignore it I mean What's a show with at least one musical episode? I mean, did you even really make a show if you didn't have one episode That's that was true. a musical? Listen, there's I, only one song I want to hear in this musical episode, and you all know what it is. It's been a long road <laughs> going from there to I'm not feeling that one. Yeah, so, if that does not appear somewhere in the episode, I will be disappointed. You finally get and started. And then we music. will have created. Do you, do you remember? I don't like. I, th- I think we are the we are the reason that this episode exists. Remember, Dave? Yes, Dave. I remember. You, you pitched this two years yes. ago. Yes. When you were talking with I Discovery's doctor, we were interviewing him, and you were like, "Star Trek the musical," and yes. finally, now in Strange New Worlds, we're getting it. We will take credit for this. If it's good, we'll take credit for it. Right. <laughs> if, 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 it's, if it's bad, we'll still take credit for we'll it, all right? It. It's exactly. Star Trek. You're talking about us then, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. You're like, of course. I would totally laugh if our names appeared somewhere in the credits. But... Yes! They should. <laughs> we should get an IMDb credit. I don't need that, You have an IMDb good. credit. What are you talking about, Miles? Uh, well, I want to. I'd like to get. You'd like to get one. another one? Yeah. He now has a list of ones that he wants. Right, right. Apparently. It's not enough to just get one. It's like, you know, when you open <sighs> a bag of chips, you're yep, like, it's yep, one, yep. five, the whole bag later. So the musical episode you're looking forward to, Miles, got it? Oh, uh, yes, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. And uh, what else is going on in your sci-fi world? 
Uh, I watched Secret Invasion, and Dave, I'm with you on that. I'm not sure what to do with that. Um, I, I, I thought I'm trying to f- think. Okay, well, they try to maybe explore what's going on with with Nick Fury a little bit, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. MCU is having a hard time. That's what they, they you know, as far as come up with some new material. And I'm hoping maybe Loki will uh, redeem that franchise. And th- there's other, there's uh, other second seasons. Maybe they could do something with. But um, yeah, I, I was, I wasn't, uh, I didn't love it. Um, what else did I watch? I watched a Batman animated movie called uh, The Doom that came to Gotham. This was they, what they did was. It was a one-off where they, they reinterpreted Batman taking place in the 1920s during Prohibition. Um, but it was also very dark. It was um, very mystical with the kind of stuff they're doing. So I, I thought, okay, going back to 1922, they've done uh, Batman before. They did Batman under the gaslight where Gotham City is in England in the 1800s, well, maybe late 1800s or early 1900s, but... Tried, tried to put Batman in a different and and the universe in a different time period and explore that, and they they sort of did that with this also. I'm reading a novel called Survivors, the complete trilogy by Jack Porter. So that's that's what's going on in my sci-fi world. Wow, very good, very good, Chrissy. How about you? What's going on in your science fiction world? Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, I was doing a bunch of Mythic Plus um, last week just because the season is gonna probably wrap up you know i'm gonna say like probably end of september beginning of october so i wanted to get that done um for my shiny mount i started watching um picard a little bit because that's some work i've been procrastinating on watched inner space for this um i did finish um starbringer really not impressed by it at all um then I read Witch King by Martha Wells and just started Lightbringer by Pierce Brown. Um, so that's book six of his Red Rising series. So excited to see that come out. Um, it came out July 25th. And then I had a library book or two that like came through and I was like, uh, I was like, well, I guess I'll read these library books and then I'll read that one. Um, I think what else I was doing. Oh, goodness. There's something else there. Um, I know we're excited to see a rocket launch now. Yep. Scott was telling me about that. And so now I'm excited to go see a rocket launch at 830, hopefully, 815-ish, which will be fun. I should uh, look up the time for that. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, mostly just doing doing what I do, read and World of Warcraft and watch a couple things. Nice. Very good. Very yeah, cool. good. Glad to see you're finally catching up on your homework. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So Rocket Lodge, just to give you the idea of the time, 831. Unless 831. Delays, 831 is when it launches. So they say about okay. 90 about ninety seconds after launch, you should be able to see it. So, so like 832 yeah, is what maybe. we're probably looking at. Yeah, yeah. 32, 833. So just go outside. So I too am looking forward to that. And then in my sci-fi world, I am of course on the on the train for Strange New Worlds because I'm absolutely loving it. Um, like everyone else seems to be. 
at least right now. And uh, I am looking forward to the musical, which will drop on Thursday. Um, watch Inner Space. I'll probably watch that even if I don't watch anything else. I'll just yeah, be like, just someone watch, show just me watch this. watch that, right? Uh, looking, for, looking forward to Star Wars coming out in two weeks. So I'm excited yep. about that. And can't yes. wait. Uh, the trailers look fantastic for that. Trailers live. Um, what else? What else am I uh, looking forward to? Oh, the other thing I'm watching, I'm watching Good Omens on Amazon oh. Prime. I uh, I love the first season. I talked about it here, and it just dropped the second season. And like Amazon does, they dropped the complete uh, season. But I'm only up to episode three. But uh, Dave Dave really uh, Dave Tennant is fantastic in it, and so is John Hamm from Mad Men. Just fantastic in it, and. Um, Dude. Did you read the book? So I've never read the novel. And it's it's actually okay. the, no- the novel was season one. So they're like off novel now. Okay. But, so, I mean, but, like I've heard good things about it, but I'm always very tentative when I read something. Uh, uh, you said tentative and it's David Tennant. I see what you did. Tennant was not intended. See, it did it again. You did it again. So. I know. So. Anyways, I'm watching those two things. Um, just watched the EU League of Legends uh, Summer Finals, and my team won, so I was stoked about that. G2, go G2. Um, what else? Um, there's been a lot of talk about my family about going to see Barbie or Oppenheimer, and we've done neither, thankfully. Um, and uh, not that you don't want to see Barbie. Um, Hey, look, if I get drug along, I'll go see it, you know, for the wife factor. But I'm not, it's not like a movie that I'm really, you know, saying, oh, I gotta see this movie. Um, I mean, and Kristen's I don't feel, not gonna dress head to toe in pink and just look absolutely now, adorable. Now, Chrissy, you know my wife. So you tell me if you know the answer to that question. <laughs> um, so, anyways, oh, we, we, did, we, did, we did, we did, we're talking about Michael Keaton. Um, I never seen it. This isn't sci-fi, but I watched The Founder, which is kind of the story of the rise of McDonald's. Um, and Michael Keaton was the main guy in it, um, and an absolute bastard, which is kind of, I guess, the purpose in that. Um, and then, other than that, what am I watch? What am I? I'm reading, continue reading through the Dresden Files. That's kind of my uh, my caveat and kind of what I'm into. Oh, I began. Is it on Paramount? There's this new military thriller with Zoe Zadania and uh, yeah, uh, Jeremy Irons and Nicole Kidman and that whole lioness or something like that. Yeah, so like I yeah. watched like 15 minutes in. I'm like, not for me. I'm out. But I did. I was impressed with the cast, which had me like wanting to see it. But I just didn't give it a uh, you know a fair shake. Yeah, yeah, so so there so, you go. That sometimes is, you can get into something and just go, "This absolutely no, no, no not not, not for me." It's not, and uh, may, maybe one of you will say, "I watched it, and you really got to give it a better chance," and I, and I will be totally there. But I, that wasn't it wasn't for me. So, uh, Kiefer's here telling me that Chris has been raptured, so uh, she is no longer with us. So, oh. Well, I guess you're not going to see the Barbie. Uh, so I don't have to go see Barbie. That's great. She's raptured, <laughs> gone. I am a free man. Free man. Don't have to do that. 
Hey, I was talking about you earlier because we were talking about Stray. I was trying to convince Chrissy to watch Stray, to play Stray. Oh, you should. It's really good. All right. You will cry. Uh, you I'll will cry. cry. There you go. You will cry, according to Kiefer, for those of you that can't really hear. I mean, if, if something bad happens to a Stray Kitten, that probably would be, yeah, I probably They incessantly murder right? cats in this video. I'm just kidding. They do not do that. They don't <laughs> do that at all. But. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So very good. Uh, that's, I think it's good. That's what's in our sci-fi world. And, uh, but we had, you know, there's been a lot of talk right now about the writer's strike and, yes. and in particularly it, it, it really bears, you know, why talk about it in a science fiction show? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Obviously we watch these shows and they're impacted by this. Right. But I think the other side of it is, What's causing this strike is kind of science fiction related, right? So, uh, who wants to kind of uh, get the discussion going here? Because I know there was, I was casually paying attention to this chat scrolling by in Facebook when you guys were having it, but let's go ahead and talk yeah. a little bit about that because I think it's worth delving into at least mentioning. So, so explain to me first what the deal is with this strike. Cause I'm not paying attention to this at all. I could so, honestly care less. I have no idea. So it, it is about pay, but there's, there is something element, an element of a science fiction that has entered into the conversation, which is, is they want to be able to pay an actor, you know, basically for one day of work um, and capture their voice, their likeness, their movements and everything using artificial intelligence and then i guess just cgi them into like background or just be able to use them as, as cgi and give them no more control over their physical basically person um and i could imagine in such a scenario let's say i you know give them that day of work and then maybe i want to go and work someplace else or do like you know, they're, they're not going to have to pay me. And I, you know, for my skill, for all of the work and things that I've put into becoming this actor, I get paid one day of work. That would be like if someone followed me around for a day at my job as like, say, like a therapist, not that I'm in that role right now, but let's say, and then just made an AI Chrissy the therapist. And then I never got to work again, even though I've put all this time and effort and, you know, to gain skill and expertise. And what's very interesting for me is, you know, we were looking at, in a lot of science fiction, you look at AI, you know, taking over these manual labor jobs, like, you know, we're going to program a maintenance bot and they would be the one out of work. And then all of us can go pursue the arts. And that's not what we're seeing. Um, I mean, I guess the Roomba just hasn't, Managed to catch up to you, Dave. Um, I've got two robots that I work for me right now. Oh, I know. That I absolutely love, but there are limitations to it. But yeah, okay. Well, so, I think, um, is my understanding this really seems to be focused on the writers in particular? Or am I am I wrong okay. about that? Well, you have two um, two different strikes going on. You have the writer strike, and then which. We, 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 we talk about a development in science fiction was is AI, right, um, right? And then you know what Chris was saying about the actor strike. Um, 
also AI related, they can cop, you know. Yeah, so I guess the AI for the writers, they just want to be able to like feed tons and tons of script into the AI and just have it spit out script. Um, which, I mean, that's that's not okay. We're going to get absolute crap, um, which is one of the reasons why I tell people don't support crap. Right. But um, yet that's 90% of what's coming out. You mean crap or AI? Crap. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I- yeah. Depending on your point, I of think, view, I I think the, uh, the the issue that they, what I see them calling for is not for let's ban all evidence of AI out. They're mm-hmm. saying use it for research, use it to develop ideas, but allow the writing to still be the human thing. But for me, uh, as AI progresses, because we're kind of in the infancy of this, right? We jit chat right. GPT. This is just that as this advances. Um, I think it's going to be difficult to distinguish um, writing that is AI from from uh, what we see in the in the current in the current media. In some cases, it'll write it better, right? And so I think this becomes a a tough thing. It's like in one hand you have this whole I'm not I'm again I'm not advocating that the writers shouldn't get their due, but. It's kind of like they're they're really fighting to keep their jobs as they were, um, but this is one of these cases where eventually down the road, I'm not saying this year, next year, or whatever, but eventually down the road, I could see this being that writing as we know it, it's going to be more important for them to know how to ask the questions, how to guide the AI in writing the script than it will be to actually write the script. I could see that coming down the pike. Yeah, and, and I can definitely see that. I mean, we, just a few months ago, you saw that all over, you know, schools being concerned that people were turning in essays that were written by chat um, GPD. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I keep saying it wrong. That's okay. Um, you know, AI. And you had people making, like, deep fakes of, you know, videos of right. people. Um, so we're I definitely saw that very video about Dave. Where, I don't want to see it. That wasn't a deep fake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know, we, we definitely are in this infancy where like we've been told this is coming, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming, and now it's here. I mean, if you think about it, Robert Ricardo playing Doctor. What was the Doctor? The Doctor was a hologram. He was an AI program. I mean, our beloved data. AI. So, I mean, we're... We've played around with this in, in science fiction, and I mean, this certainly isn't the first AI um, kind of like semi thing that we've encountered before. I mean, Japan had that um, holographic singer dancer, so like we've been kind of playing around with it. But I think we're finally getting to the point where there have been certain problems in the programming that have been "quote unquote" ten years from being solved for you know 30 40 years and then all of a sudden it's now solved um what's his name on youtube starts with scott british guy talked a few years ago oh, about tom a sentence scott, tom scott that tom scott yes you know exactly what i'm talking about tom scott did the whole video on the sentence that a computer cannot understand they can now understand them and so 
AI has finally gotten sophisticated enough to start producing these sentences, these natural um, conversations that previously AI wasn't able to do. So there's been some sort of breakthrough, and I'm not exactly sure what that breakthrough was. Um, but I mean, we also saw that with the artist um, right. having their artwork stolen right. and then AI art and people are, you know, selling their NFT AI stuff, which and I don't you know, understand what it, you guys... And, and what was interesting about that is, you know, we're in this place where we're growing, right? I, I was, I was, mm-hmm. I, I was watching, I was reading a news story about a lady that took an actual photograph that she legit took was not AI generated, but it was tossed out of a comp competition because they suspected it of being AI generated. They apologized and, you know, said you can come enter the competition next year for free. Um, couldn't do anything about it but this year, the- but, but this, this idea of determining, you know, where, where's the line go and uh, what are we going to say for art versus, you know, so I think that the, the thing is, you know, where does this put the artist? Where does and I'm using that in the most broad term the the writer the the painter the um, the sculptor the the musician if we can begin creating all this stuff in AI where do they go and I think that part of that answer in my mind is people are still going to make art we've done it for thousands of years people will generate their art it's just a question of whether people will buy it. If they can make money off of it, I mean, if people will be willing to pay writers or artists to produce art, I mean, art, artists will have to either do it for do when, it for free and have a have a you know a job on the you know a, a job on the side to make a living, or have somebody support them to. It's only a, it's I, only a matter of time too before I think maybe my bigger concern is where you know I go to Penn Manor. And I'm teaching and a student gets pissed off at me. All right. And so what does he do? He generates a deep fake of Herzog in some porno. Right. And suddenly, mm-hmm. uh, and suddenly, you know, the administration, you know, has to deal with that in a way that would say, okay, that we got to, you know, put him on academic leave and it creates issues with family trust. I mean, once that hits the media, we, even though, we have this society where you're innocent or proven guilty in the eyes of the media, you're guilty. Right. I mean, it's just one of those right. things. And, and so, you know, we're, we're, I think my concerns is maybe along those lines more than the others, but. Well, that's a yeah. concern. These are, these are very valid concerns. Um, You know, like people going on like YouTube and like taking, you know, video, like, Right now, I think Dave is, you know, doing video recording and God only knows what people will do with that. Although I think. What will they make Jen say? I know. (laughs) And I say so many crazy things. People might believe it. That's right. Um, That's right. Edit most of it out. Don't worry. (laughs) My graphic over it. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there's there's a lot to be said here. So. For me, I, I've been watching this strike, um, not just because, you know, it's it's a writer strike or, you know, because it's affecting the shows or things like that. It's just been very interesting because I know that some of the ways by which they come up with the answer of how to deal with this new technology, at least until the next contract, may impact how other industries 
deal with this technology, other industries moving forward, you know, because it's kind of setting this precedent of, you know, this is how we will interact with this technology in a profession, you know, um, is there, you know, am I going to be, you know, at some point tasked with there's this therapy AI and my job is just to review the sessions and make sure that the AI isn't telling people things that are psychologically harmful. And right. maybe my job is just to audit AI sessions. Those things are going for, you know, hours and hours and hours. And it's literally just pulling random sessions. And I'm sitting there and I'm auditing it just to make sure that the AI is working and doing its job. And maybe that's a job that I end up doing. And, you know, maybe it makes me lots of money. I don't know. But then that would be one way to solve the therapist shortage that we have in this country. Is that something that is a good thing? I don't know. I don't think that it necessarily is because I'm research has found that it's the relationship that therapy. Right. I was going to say it's really a, the human healing. the human component in your job. I think is it very is. important. But then I have people who who I've known who say, "Oh, I don't want to go to therapy. I've been talking with this chat." you know, AI oh, chatbot, like yeah, something like that. The yeah. chatbot, and I feel much better for talking with them. And I'm like, um, I don't think that that's really going to solve the root of your issue. But tell me a little bit more about that. You right. know, just out of curiosity. But who knows? Maybe somebody makes something and it works for people. I don't know. Um, this is why. And and, and again. It, as technology develops and everything, the, the the economy and professions have to change. I mean, the invention of the automobile sunk saddle makers, buggies and wagon manufacturers, wooden wagon wheels. Those guys all went to the wayside because the automobile came. Or they became Amish. But or they became obsolete. It, yeah, they became Amish. It's, it becomes obsolete. So it's going to change. Right. Now, I am also saying that coming from the point of view that – I firmly believe every bit of AI technology and research and data and everything that went along into building this and creating this needs to be gathered up, burnt, destroyed, and sprinkled out over the ocean or launched into space away because humanity right now does not have the philosophical, moral, or intelligence to control this when it starts to get out of control with them. Right. And if it well, continues to learn, is we don't even know how it works. Exactly. Like we, we don't know don't how know. it works. You are playing with something right now that could spell disaster for the entire globe. I mean, we've seen that. And that's not me just quoting movies and looking at all that stuff. It, it When it becomes self-aware and it starts to question itself and it becomes that intelligent – you start to demoral or dehumanize actual human beings. What does it mean to be human at that point? If this computer is being able to think and process at speeds much faster than we can at levels with information that we can't do on our own. Yeah. Which is thankfully we aren't quite there yet. Well, we're not quite there yet, but at at the speed that this continues to grow and increase, It ain't going to be long. And who's going to stop it from doing that? I'm sorry. I quit trusting the experts about four years ago. I I, I don't trust big tech. I don't trust any government on the face of the planet 
to be able to regulate and control this. It, it, it is disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, and we don't, you know, and where are they getting, you know, getting all of the data and what are they doing with it, all of it? I mean, and it's supposed to be anonymous, but I mean, you watch about how, you know, the you can get, like, you can buy a list of just marketing data. And with just a few data points, you can figure out who in your area has, you know, a certain disease, a certain, um, you know, like what their search history is, like all of that stuff you can figure out and you can get for a number of people. And, you know, that's just what marketers are doing with it. Who knows what a, like what a computer is going to be doing with it. And you don't even know. I mean, age of Ultron, I mean, (laughs) five minutes on the internet and he decided we all should die. (laughs) Right. Right. And and as with any computer, the only output you're going to get is based upon what's been input into it. Well, Who's inputting what into this? Yeah, if you're scraping, what agenda is this? What what agenda is whoever's programming these things into putting into this? If thing? you're if you're scraping the internet for data, what data is it? What 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 data is being scraped into it? And I agree with that. And I think right. you need you need machines that are unbiased. Like the early the earliest I remember the earliest incarnations of this, them talking about struggling with racial bias, right? Maybe in the most simplistic, but it becomes also then. Um, belief systems that that go into that and how does that reflect it and should it be reflected and it becomes uh and then of course if you get into the politics you get into the uh the right the right agenda or the woke agenda right you begin to you look at all these different things as which side is being pushed in this as we look at stuff and ideally it would just be an information machine without bias but we as humans we we as humans are biased well, I mean, even when we have quote unquote like unbiased policies, sometimes it creates biased results. I mean, they're not right. necessarily made that way. They're not intended that way. No one, I mean, despite what some people may think, as far as I know, there is no secret cabal of old white men just sitting in a basement someday, like somewhere cackling and saying, I have a brilliant idea. Well, not to give women pockets. You know, and that is how we shall impress them again. You know, uh, like, right. Dave Dave, Dave about manipulating global currencies and how to destroy and rise and falls of nations to control everything. Right. I right. mean, as far as I know, that's, the, what, that's what they hang out in the basements and do. Illuminati's not <laughs> right, real, right. but I mean, exactly. <laughs> I can't think about my pockets. Although, if they would spend a little bit more time on my pockets, please, I'd like more clothes with pockets. They had their mm. hands in your pockets far enough as it is. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why I don't want them. Yeah, no maybe you don't want their hands in your pockets because that that gives rise to a whole different issue, Jen. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's 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 why I don't have pockets. That's right. right, I guess. right. For your own safety. For your own safety. safety. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Apparently, that's why they didn't give you pockets. Oh, I oh. I'm, I appreciate them them considering me and my person in that's such right. a manner. Right, right. Um, but you know, like I just think about all these things i mean they had that i want to say like it was two three years ago they had like a google chat bot or something and within a few hours they had to like turn it off because it was like spewing i want to say it was like nazi propaganda or something and you're always gonna have you know i god god bless these these programmers who you know they they're so they're so adorable they're like they have such great ideas and they're like Oh, the wonderful humanity, and this is how we will use it. And they never stop and think about 
all the misuse that's going to happen till they release it to the wolves. And then you have a bunch of people cackling in the corner being like, I'm just going to screw with this just for fun. You know, some people just want to watch the world burn because they think it's funny. Um, Which is funny until somebody gets, you know, hold of nuclear launch codes and next thing we know, Earth is destroyed. Um, I think think back to... uh... I don't think Dave, you were with us, and Chrissy, I don't think you were with us, but Miles, remember uh, Battlestar Galactica when we were watching that and reviewing that? And everyone absolutely hated the finale. Yep. And I was one of them. And it was one of my favorite finales the go to Earth to start over. And the eeriest thing is the end when you see Gaius Baltar and Seven, well, not Seven, um, Six. Six, uh, standing there on the street, and there's these robots that look kind of Cylonish, in, and they were actual robots at the time, saying, "Um, there's some danger here in eight, you know, in, in there, and there's some a lot of good the robots do, but every time I watch a Boston Dynamics video, I'm like a little bit wigged out by it, right? So, and um. And I and I and I think back to that, and I say, okay, you know, full circle. And there's something in us that, as we want our lives to be easier, you know, a you know, this ChatGPT, it makes when I when I develop an essay prompt, I can input what I want it to do, and it makes it sound much better than I would, right? Well, at least much better than if I were if I were to spend like six or seven hours on it. I can do it, you know, in the matter of five or six minutes after I've typed the prompt in, right? Or the things that I want in the prompt. Um, and there, you know, I, I can create an entire D&D campaign in the matter of about 15 minutes if I want, right? And uh, so there, there are some advantages to it, but then there's the flip side of that, right? And I think this is the, the balance, right? And this is what science fiction kind of investigates. It tries to draw light, you know, be aware if, this is not checked. This is what can happen. Yeah, I mean, destroy it, destroy it. You know, I, I do know of someone who who is an artist, um, and he does use some AI generators, but he uses it as almost like um, as like a prompt for himself to like right. get himself going, get some of the news. Sometimes it's to like look at how something may look as a as a design. Um, and it's just kind of a, it's almost like a, um, a reference. He uses it right. as a reference, you know, and it's, it might be a lot easier for him to find that than to go out and try and spend, I'm going to say like, you know, an hour finding, you know, okay, I need a reference. I'm going to look up, you know, right. Google images of cliffs. And I'm going to look up Google images of castles. I'm going to look up Google images of this and then try to like collage these together in my brain to come up with a reference. I can just AI prompt boom, here's my reference. It's not the greatest thing, but it kind of gives me an idea of where I want things or the composition should be. And that's what he uses it for. He still produces his own original art. So, you know, maybe the essay can be useful. It's like, okay, it's going to help me organize some of my thoughts and then I'm going to go write it. You know, that that may be the way to use it. Um, But... Like there's still got to be that element of human spark, human ingenuity. Um, but I think, like by and large, unless you're forced to practice that way, like and practice that skill, how are you going to develop it enough to know how to use 
the thing as the prompt. Like, if I use the art as a prompt, like, eh, I'm probably going to continue to produce crappy art. He uses it because he's an expert who's able to use it in a good way. Yeah. Um, but that's just art. That's not, you know, am I going to feed a whole bunch, like, am I going to get a whole bunch of applications, detailed lists of, you know, information from people who are experiencing homelessness and feed it into an AI and figure out like which people get help and which people don't. You know, I think the, um, my whole issue is this, this whole idea of using it as prompt and as inspiration is fantastic in paper, but I know, I, but I know people, I know that we are inherently lazy and we want to, uh, use the easiest, um, we want the easiest way out. And, um, and so this is my, this is probably my big concern. Yeah. And it's a, it's a legitimate one. Yeah. I mean, but I, but I, so my, my, so the question becomes, do we stop it or do we adapt? And this is the, this is the big thing. And if we adapt, it becomes like the horses, right? The, uh, the saddle makers, the, the shoemakers, you know, the, the shoers for the horses. And you, so, you have to uh, maybe uh, do we become gatekeepers of the AI rather than trying to avoid the AI? I don't know. It, the, my, my only problem is, is that this is, uh, you know, back even to my other analogy between, you know, the wagon and the automobile. I mean, it, while it's a technological gain, this is entirely different than anything we've had before. We built, humans have built these tools. Humans have built innovation. We do a bit with AI. You still have to program the computer, but at some point when this thing reaches some level of potential where it can start writing itself well it kind of already does it does exactly this is what i'm talking about and that's the scary part that's the scary part and no one understands how it does it yeah not even people who programmed it man is attempting to try to be god with this thing and create an entirely new life create something completely beyond our control our mechanical control and there's there's no off switch to it right and and i think there a lot of people will have the argument that you know yes we in the united states could you know or or the west choose to turn the off switch and say you know what no this isn't right however you're gonna find a lot of you're gonna find a lot of people who are gonna say yeah but the russians are gonna have this technology and so we need to have it because they're gonna have it and the chinese are gonna have it because you know and so we we're, there's not an off switch. The only thing we can do is have a better version than them because they're going to weaponize it. So we need to be able to weaponize it first, and that is is really frightening. I mean, even more than say like atomic bomb. Um, you know, it was really it was how do I say this? It was really big. It was really quick, and you could see the absolute devastation right then and there, instantaneously. This, are we going to see the devastation? In a big oh, yeah. flashy boom, no. instantaneously, or are we going to see, you know, 
a slow decline. And, you know, it's by the time we realize there is a big boom that's coming, it's basically too late. It's already launched out of the box. Oops. And are, are we getting to that point? Um, so that's why I have been watching um, the writer's strike and right. the, the actor's strike kind of carefully because I do think that some of these questions are being answered right there. And it's kind of frightening to me that the people who are answering the question is Hollywood. And I'm like, you people, like, you're right. the ones who write and produce the shit that tell us <laughs> to be careful. And this is the crap you're doing because you it's also, want to make a quick buck. Are you insane? Are you stupid? Sorry. Right. And it's, 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 you know, again, it's big corporation, right? It's big corporation. And it's the, uh, uh, the writers in a sense are the little men on the totem pole when it comes to the big corporation. And what's going to make care. it, what, what's going to make the, the biggest, the biggest, the quickest, the cheapest buck for them. And uh, if AI is going to do that and going to do it as well as a writer, then and I don't have to pay them, you know, uh, a, enough to have a decent salary, then this is, uh, I can, and, you know, this is attention, right? And and what was that trailer? I think Miles shared it like a couple weeks ago. Of you know, it was a trailer for a a robot movie you know, of robots and humans, like, being at war or something, and there's, like, a boy-robot thing, um, and I'm, like, and I found it very interesting that it came out, that trailer dropped shortly after after the strike started, um, because I'm, like, you people are having this argument, and yet you're still producing movies that have already, that's already, like, warning us that say, hey, this could be a problem. So, I mean, it's it's really sad to me that the people who are warning us are now the people who are being like oh it's fine nothing to see here yeah move um, along move along so it's just like wait a minute but i mean you you saw i mean we saw this with with covid where you know oh stay home stay home stay home but we can still have our parties we can still go to the restaurant we can still fly to another state and get our haircuts yeah. um you know you plebs you can't have this but we can because you need to do that for the greater good, but we don't have to do it for the greater good. Um, and I, you know, I'm a social worker. I really, as I tell people, I really want, like, I'm not naive. I know people, I've studied people. I know what what people are, are doing, what, generally what they're going to do. However, I do want to give them the opportunity to prove my cynical self wrong. Um, because who, who else is going to give them that opportunity? So I, I want them to prove me wrong, but I really don't think that they're going to. And I'm not sure that we should give them the opportunity to prove me wrong. Because if they prove me right, we're in a hell of a lot of trouble. Burn it all. Yeah. I'm thinking, you Watch know, I think about, space. I think the uh, up and coming generation, right? You know, I think of Kiefer. Um, looking to get into digital game design. Well, how much is that going to be impacted by AI? You know, the construction of video I mean, games, the way they do it. There's already, it's already infiltrating it. And he's going to have to adapt, grow and figure this out. Right. I mean, we, I mean, for player versus computer, I mean, we've been trying for years to get a decent computer simulation for things like league of legends. Um, you know, even if it's just to help you learn to play the game better. Right. You know, and you can have, you know, the 
AI people, you know, take take over. I think if you are, I I stopped playing that game. I want to say there was a way that like if someone disconnected, then the computer could take over. Yeah, they, playing. they, haven't, I don't been, think... they haven't been playing with that recently, but it may have been done. Okay, past, well but... maybe they don't do that in like in tournament stuff. So maybe that's why you haven't seen it. But um, I, I remember that. Um, it's like okay, well, what happens if I I'm able to somehow like program an AI to like, you know, I aim and then it like aims it just slightly more, like gives me an edge to my play. It is, a, you know? it is, a, it is an issue. It changes the play. I could use that in Call of Duty because I suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, because maybe, maybe you have yeah. an AI that like it doesn't let you play, but you go. So what Dave's saying is he doesn't want to put in the optimizes. work to gain the skill. That's what Dave's saying. Well, you know, it gives me it gives me time. I go back to the store, and I don't even have to think about what to get. It just adjust the AI just adjusts really fast based on what their the other team is buying to buy the thing I need at the store, in you know the equipment that I need to get back out there quickly. Because it does take time to go in, go into the interface, figure out what does the other team have to what do I need to buy to counter that for my build, and have enough skill set right. to change up my build based on what's going on in the game to do that. You know, that's a skill that your players have to do. Yeah. But if you have like say an AI thing that's running and you're able to just pop to the store and like, maybe you're able to like pick it up real fast without even having to think about it. You're back in the game. That seconds that count. That's the difference between your game, getting a pentacle, like your team getting a pentakill on them versus them getting a pentakill on you. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it takes half the skill and fun out of it if it does that, too. It does. It does. Yeah. But if you're playing for a tournament, and let's say you're playing for money, scholarships, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm... Then be better. You, but you think to yourself, <laughs> well, am I really, am I really cheating if I just let something get me to the store and pick it faster? Am I yes. really cheating? The answer yes. is Yes. But you can kind of see like where someone might be like, "Eh." yeah, again, you know, but that actually sounds like a good idea for the next time we do a retro movie review, like we're about to do here in a few moments. Uh, Yeah. We might Uh, not have time. The 1980s. We'll give it 20 minutes. Yeah. The 1980s movie war games. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. I, we got to watch that. Yeah. Kiefer and I, Kiefer and I watched that. Because it was a basis for Ready Player One, one of the things in Ready Player One, and so we uh, ended up yeah. watching War Games because of it. So I didn't see it not too love long. Love that movie. There we go. War Games. Absolutely yeah. love it. Well, so I guess talk yeah. inner space. Yeah, let's talk about inner yes. space for about 15, 20 minutes here before we have to go. Um, <laughs> best movie ever. Better than Howard I- the Duck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was okay. I would definitely say it's on the lower end for my standard deviation of the mean. Um, yeah, I've seen better older movies. I have. I was a little disappointed because I do really love Meg Ryan. Like, I just do. I think she's hysterical. I just, she's so funny. I absolutely love the the movies that she was in in the nineties. Um, but yeah. I will, I'm going to defend this movie. I mean, okay. it's, uh, please defend it. Now the technology miniature duration. I, I can't see any practical use for it, 
but I don't care. It's still, I, I thought Dennis Quaid was great in this, and he does most of his performance inside a cockpit. He is, I mean, we don't, only for a short while we see him out out in the world and acting his his drunken fun naked self. <laughs> drunken, yes, thank you. But the rest of the performance, he is in a cockpit and. I think he's just, he's very entertaining. I think he does, his performance in there is great. I think Martin Short is uh, underrated. I think, um, you know, his physical comedy in this movie is brilliant. Um, I love his story. I mean, it's, I try to find some human story. It's a sci-fi comedy. It's it's more of a comedy than sci-fi, but, um, you know, he finds his inner hero throughout this whole thing. And he, he needs some, he needs a lot of help along the way. He you know he's a, he's a hypochondriac and you know he's uh, um, trying to get treatment for that and maybe going on a vacation might help. But then he gets uh, uh, Dennis Quaid shoved up his ass. I mean, um, which literally, <laughs> literally, it's not Robert Ricardo's ass, mind you. It is Dennis it's Dennis Quaid's ass. No, it's uh, no, no, Martin Short's. No, Martin Short's ass. Martin right. Short's ass. That's right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And he even says that he, he he raises a toast. This doctor he goes, he saved my ass by putting me in yours. <laughs> you know, there's some great lines in this movie. Uh, let's talk about Robert Ricardo. Robert Ricardo is brilliant in this. His his <laughs> character is cheesy, ridiculous, over the top, but but brilliant. And from what I understand in, in hearing him in interviews, he contributed a lot of the creative to that character. That the, the director basically let him do whatever he wanted. I mean, it, you know, as far as his costumes, you know, how he looked on set, um, he, he ad-libbed a lot of the lines. Uh, when Martin Short busts through the door, uh, door Picard says, don't, don't come through the door, just come. I mean, just, that was him. That was, uh, you know, um, and, and we talked about Picardo's ass a little while ago. Well, he said he made, there was some kind of, maybe Dave, maybe you remember this. There was some kind of magazine of men uh, looking best in bikini briefs or something like that. Because there was a scene where he's in, in bikini underwear when he gets, yeah. you know, punched in the face by Martin Short. But so he, you know, uh, you know, I love Picardo in this. I just thought he was, you know. This is a fun '80s romp for me. This is I was this was '87. It came out. I was 16, 17. I didn't see it in theaters. It didn't do great in theaters, but it had a, a second run revival when VHS. Rentals, I was a fetus at the time. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it it's kind of a cult favorite, but um, you know, it's, there's some great early Robert Ricardo in this, and he's you know. Well, you know, so you and you have and you Steven Spielberg directing it, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, you have, uh, and then the soundtrack's done by our Goldsmith, right? Did the soundtrack. Yep. Yep. So some very. I was, I, 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 was, I was actually thinking as I listened to it, like, "Yep, sounds like uh, sounds like Goldsmith." <laughs> but very, very shocking to see Kathleen Kennedy as an executive producer. Yes, as well in this movie. Yep. Uh, well, no CGI. This is all practical effects. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought for for its time. I, I mean, you know, he, he's inside Martin Short's body, and for a brief while inside uh, uh, Melanie Griffith's body. Um, but uh, yeah, this was just to me. This was a fun, 
It was, it was a sci-fi comedy. They don't make these anymore. I can't think of a sci-fi comedy, you know, like this. It's kind of a one-off. It's it, Most things are a franchise now That's that, that does both. I thought maybe they, they, they kind of hinted at the end there could have been a, a sequel because uh, oh, the yeah. cowboy, you know, the, the cowboy hides the, the miniaturized bad guys in the trunk and uh, drives the limo. And you then, say uh, that, but there is an inner space, too, that came out. In 2018. What? There is an inner space too. I'm going to believe this right now. And it was uh, probably not. It came out in 2018. Uh, it looks like it's in Spanish, number one. Um, but if you look at IMDb, it's the same type of premise in it. Oh, okay. But uh, let me see. I don't. There's no. There's not even a summary. For Release date October 15th, 2018 in Spain. Oh yeah, Spanish, yeah, Spanish. But it doesn't sound like it was. Uh, it was a, a, like it. I don't know. It seemed like low budget, but it's a I it's a short. It's a short. It's eighteen minutes long. Oh okay. But, I see. Interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Um. So we'll have to watch that and review that in the light of this. But anyways, go ahead. Everyone's yeah. looking at inner space too now, but yeah. Oh yes, yeah, I mean you got me distracted with flying cats, and now inner space too. What can I say? Yeah. Um, so no, it, I eighties. So I'm gonna be honest, like not my favorite movie. And again, part of this is the cheese factor. And yes, there's some definitely. There's no doubt we are in the eighties here. When you see the way the actors are portraying their characters, and the way it's coming off, and the type of humor that was popular back then. Definitely. Yeah, it was interesting it's, for me because I was watching it. I was like, you know, I don't, I haven't seen like terribly, terribly many 80s movies. Um, so I definitely felt like it was a child of its time. Um, I don't think some of the things that they did then would fly now. Absolutely, um, it, absolutely not. Like, like what? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. It kind of implied that, you know, he was, did he drive home drunk or like the two of them drive home after like some serious drinking? Because it didn't seem to imply that they had arrived by a taxi. I think she Um, drove him home. She drove him home. Yeah. But it also sounded like, I don't know, it sounded like they almost like were both kind of, kind of drunk. Um, And I don't, I don't know, like it just, it just seemed a little off like it wouldn't be made exactly that way today um the relationship seemed kind of like toxic but the way that it was played seemed like it was okay whereas today i feel like you might have some of these toxic relationships um but they're played as this is not healthy um you know i don't know that the doctor would have been portrayed quite that way and maybe again it was it's a comedy thing um but there were just some there there were like it's little subtle cultural things that just wouldn't be like it just wouldn't quite fly and they would have to play it a little bit differently in order for it to i don't think it's like drastic i'm not saying you know it's like you know completely crazy but there were just little things that just made me go oh oh i don't want mm, no um that 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 would need to be tweaked um and so it wasn't like, and so for, for me, it was interesting. Cause I was like, huh, at what point 
did that shift happen um, for for us and and for me as as an audience? Because maybe a couple years ago I wouldn't felt that way, but now you know maybe five, six, seven years later, which also right. got me thinking about you know even just like Marvel. Um, you know when Iron Man first came out, you know, two thousand ten. You know some of the some of the things he said and, and did. You know, would they put some of those stuff in the movies? Like I think about when he first, you know, looked at um, Scarlett Johansson's character, and he's like, "I want one," and she's like, "No." You know, like would would they play that these days? You know, some of the stuff, some of the comments. Yeah, because so, yeah, they would never be said or happen in real life. Well, you know, and and different, and there also some. Sometimes there might be a little bit different expectations of like what you can portray. Like a hero doesn't say that, you know, he's supposed right. to be this. But then again, that was where he was in his own journey of being kind of a jackass. So, Absolutely. you know, different. And so I think that's that's where I was like, huh, I'm not seeing this guy changing from like his drinking and being a, and being a jerk when he's drinking. Well, we, um, we also didn't get, what, 10 plus think- years of... Of character development, right? Either. So I'm like, no. I'm like, so, you know, I think so, his changing moment was when he found out he was going to be a father. That's yes. I think. Yeah. He, he, you know, he had his uh, epiphany and his uh, right change to maturity. I mean, which was very quick and not believable, but I'm just saying that that seemed to be, you know, yeah. So all right. So I'm not sure if it, it's because like it's the comedy genre, and I'm not used to a sci-fi comedy anymore. Um or if it was that, but yeah, I like, I enjoyed Ricardo's character, but the rest of the movie, I was like, eh, it's not, it's probably not something that I would want to see again. I don't feel um, like, I don't feel like I need to lose another hour and a half of my life. So no. I'm pretty, pretty set with that. And so, uh, you know, we can talk about, I know we have to wrap up here in about five minutes or so, but um, is there any other parts of the movie that we should be hitting on before we maybe give our ratings on and on, on how far up Robert Ricardo's ass we shove this? But <laughs> I'm just kidding. Full ten I, inches. <laughs> I think this is a genre you don't see any, much anymore, and, I, yes. and, that, and to me, that's unfortunate. Um, all, any kind of sci-fi comedy today is more coming out of a franchise which i enjoy and love don't get me wrong but you don't have any of these one-offs anymore like like uh inner space or gremlins or ice uh, pirates you know it's um so it's it, it is some it, it's a product of its time and maybe maybe of, maybe know. paul with simon Pegg. The, I haven't seen Paul. yeah the alien or like yeah. what, wouldn't you say would you say that Resident Alien was a sci-fi comedy in some ways? The TV show? <laughs> I didn't see that. No, the one with Alan Tudyk. Oh, Resident Alien. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a sci-fi comedy. I mean, um, that's kind of close. Seri- but it's a series. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. close. And, and he gets away with stuff because he's, you know, he's... An alien. Ig- he's an alien. He, 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 he's not a human. He doesn't know how humans are supposed to act and behave. And he, he, he makes many social faux pas and mistakes and, uh, um, along the way. So, um, but yeah. no, as far as this, I mean, um, 
to me, to me, to me, it's, to, to me, it's a, it's, it's a gem from the eighties. It's, uh, uh, obviously it's not for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm more than willing, I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to let you have this gem miles. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> well, so let's, uh, so how are we going to rate this? Out of five or out of 10? Uh, we'll do it out of five, out of five stars. Uh, I'll go first since I don't often go first. Uh, this is going to definitely rate uh, like a one or 1.5. I enjoyed Howard the Duck more. Oh. Oh. All right. I don't know if we can be friends, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy? Um, I, I would probably rate it low with, with you. Um, you know, I, I say... I give things two stars once it hits, you know, one standard deviation below the mean. So that's that's how I'm rating it. It's, it's two. Okay, Dave, how about you? Yeah, two sounds fair. All right, Miles. I give it a solid four. Wow. I give us reason B. I love. I think the performances of of, of the cast is great. Um, I I it, it's a fun nostalgia trip alone. Um, the science fiction by itself, eh, it's okay, you know, miniature trace, and you know, but there, and that 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 gives the comedic elements of putting you know Dennis Quaid and Martin Short's ass and hijinks ensues. But uh, um, yeah, I, I I I love this movie. Um, I'll probably I, I probably will revisit it again someday. All right, um, yeah. Don't don't invite me over that night, Miles. Just saying. Okay, um, uh, and and seeing a young Robert Picardo, uh, I think Robert Picardo showed his acting chops and his comedic chops uh, in this film. And, I will uh, I will not disagree with you. Not disagree. With you. Oh. I, agree with you. I agree with you. I do want to know if that was a wig or if that's his actual hair. Yeah, that's a good question. He had, you know, when he was young, he kind of had Afro like hair, but I don't know when, yeah. what, you know, when the receding started to happen, but. Uh, well, sometime between 1987 and whenever Voyager started, I guess. Mid, yeah, yeah, the mid 90s. Mid 90s. I thought I thought Picardo did a great. There, there's a scene where they make Robert Short's face look like Picardo, and Picardo has to act like, um, you know, the Martin Short character. And I thought he did a good job with that. Yeah. Also, I mean, I, I think Picardo's performance is fantastic in this. So. I do agree. I do agree with that. So I will, we we can we can agree on that, Miles. Okay. Well, uh, yes. we reach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for yeah. coming along on our discussion of AI and the writer's strike. And then a little bit about interspace there. Um, and then uh, in two weeks, we'll be back and uh, we'll probably just do like a regular catching up on news, uh, maybe reflecting on strange new worlds a little bit. And, uh, you know, and then uh, maybe share an interview that you guys recorded when we were down at Shore Leave. Uh, but we do have to talk about our next movie eventually, and maybe, uh, maybe we'll be the one that was. Me- what was the one that was mentioned that we thought, oh, we got to do that one? War games. War, war games. Yeah, war games. War we games. Could, we could totally do that. So. All right. Yeah. But, I posted in the show notes. I think there's a great discussion about the whole actor strike. Uh, okay. It was done on the Delta, Delta Flyers. They had on uh, Michelle Hurd, Armin Sherman, and uh, Kitty Swink. Um, Michelle Hurd, she she played Rafi on Picard. 
but I think she has a position in the SAG union, and uh, yeah. I, I found her very persuasive. Uh, I, I, and, and I do think it's important to note that so far the the actors and the writers are not encouraging anyone to like boycott watching things online and those sorts of things. They're they're not saying you know don't go to the movies, don't go, don't watch our shows, those sorts of things. Um, they they do want people to continue to support things that are being produced and and done. Um, you know, they're just kind of delaying some of the stuff that's being that's currently being done because they right. do still want the studios and the jobs to be there. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, that that I asked Emma about because yeah. I didn't know. Right. Well, all right. Well, we do have to wrap up this show. We have a rocket launch to get to, Chrissy, in about ten minutes. Yes, so, we do. We do. So, Let's but do this. Uh, so, Miles, why don't you uh, take us out of the show here? All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Leave your tips on the table. And go boldly yeah. to Sci-Fi Diner at Instagram. Ooh, yeah. And the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast on Facebook. Very and good. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Dot.